Often in business, you have to change your ways or risk becoming extinct. At least that's what Tony DeLima has to say. As the head of digital transformation and global CTO for Neoris, Tony has had a front row seat for all matters of changes in industries from financial services to healthcare and everything in between. Tony has helped companies of all shapes and sizes take giant leaps forward by transforming the way they operate from top to bottom. And that always includes bringing in new and advanced technology. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Tony explains how these types of digital transformation happen and why they're important. Plus, he dives deep into the role AI will play in the future. Enjoy the episode. This podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Did you know that Salesforce isn't just for sales? Using Salesforce as an employee experience platform helps make every employee across your organization more productive thanks to a common mobile-first platform for getting work done faster. Find out more at salesforce.com slash employee experience. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I mean, Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And we have on the other side of the country, in the middle of stormy weather, Tony, how's it going? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Thanks for having me on your, on your show. Yeah, we really uh, appreciate you coming on. We're going to have a great episode. We're going to talk all about digital transformation um, and some tactical things that CIOs, CTOs, CDOs, um, and technology leaders can do to, you know, continue to innovate. But first, how did you get into technology? Yeah, it's an interesting question. My, um, my dad actually worked for Shell Oil for about uh, 42 years. And then one summer, he, he took me in to kind of work with him. And, and I had an opportunity to visit the data center. And, and I was just completely amazed and, and taken back. And I remember one, one question I had was, you know, how do we ascertain the validity of, of everything that a computer does? You know, how do we make sure that the output, what it tells us is, is correct and is accurate. And so, you know, I, I took away that summer job and then, um, you know, went to college, got my bachelor's, got my master's. And, and my, first, my first career was actually being a, a computer auditor for back then, um, Coopers and Librand. But, but it was all driven by that, that one question of, you know, how do we validate that what a computer does is, is actually correct? So that, that's how it all started, I guess. And flash forward to your current role, you said in the past that you love working with companies that are having a big impact. Tell us a little bit about your current role. Well, the current role is it's got two dimensions. One is, you know, Neoris is a 4,500-person organization with operations in the U.S., Latin America, Europe, and, and India. Uh, on one end, my role is to drive the technology direction for the company. You know, where, where are we heading? Where we take our, our clients? And on the other end, uh, it's leading our operations here in the U.S. to work with some pretty disruptive clients and, and bring about some of these technologies that helps them make a difference. So it's, a, it's one end, a global role, and then the other end, driving our initiatives and, and our client-facing activities here in the U.S., you know, for those customers, I know you can't name names or, or anything like that, but what types of industries are you working with? What is the type of the impact that your customers are having? You know, it's uh, the way we go to market. Uh, it's we go by an industry from industry point of view. We believe that, you know, at least in all of in the transformation that's happening today, if, if you don't have an industry perspective um, and understand 
the insights, the perspectives, uh, what's changing within that industry from a business point of view, then it's pretty difficult to drive innovation for those customers. So, so we, we, we go to market through four prime industries, which are financial services, manufacturing, uh, telecom and media, and also healthcare. And, and the types of customers that we typically work with, you know, are customers that, that we, you know, create an awesome relationship with. They're, they're typically customers that, that want to be first movers. They want to make a difference for their shareholders, their employees, and typically also their community. So they have a pretty broad vision of the impact that they want to have. Um, and, and we like those, those types of customers because they're, they're pretty highly focused on creating a value proposition that, that not only generates a bit and, and positive cash flow for, for their shareholders, but, but they want to have a far-reaching impact in their communities. And, and, and those companies typically are very fast-moving. They want to make changes. They, they understand that, um, you know, to make a difference, they, they want to become an integral part of a, a personal journey of their customers. So they're highly focused on achieving disruption and, and obviously, we, we love to work with those customers because they, they drive innovation all the way to the edge, which makes our jobs um, pretty exciting. How difficult do you think it has been to lead digital transformations of various different companies? You know, you, you recently wrote a post, um, I guess not that recently, but um, about how, you know, enabling a powerful customer journey starts with an integrated tech journey. The role of technology is more important than ever. Do you find that some companies have certain common challenges when, you know, going through the digital transformation? They do. And, and you know, at, at Neuris, when, when we look at some of our clients, I would say that today the biggest challenge for these companies is, is how do they drive an innovation culture across the company, recognizing that the speed of innovation is so dramatic. And, and we'll talk about some some examples later on. But the innovation speed is so dramatic that the biggest question is how do we create an innovation culture and how do we redesign, rethink the organization to really be able to move at, at the speed that customers have come to be used to. You know, we, we want to have an Amazon-like experience for, for everything we do, whether it's working with our financial entity, whether it's buying products and services, whether it's working with our doctors or hospitals, but that hyper-personalized experience is a key driver for change and, and companies to be able to make that change really need to focus around the culture part. And, and we think that that's probably the biggest factors because ultimately if, if they don't pursue some of these innovation trends, they, they will run the risk of being extinct. And, and we see that in a number of different areas as well. And so I think that that's a big piece. I think the other example of areas where companies are struggling is that there's always been this fundamental belief that in order to drive innovation, you have to either look internally or look at within your own industry sector. And, and we're finding that, that those companies that, that truly drive innovation, they look far beyond their own industry boundaries and, and they're very passionate about looking at what's happening in other sectors and how to adopt um, those lessons learned and, and those innovation journeys. So for instance, it's now not uncommon that a financial services company is looking at what customer experience is being driven in a consumer packaged goods company 
and how do we adopt those experiences to provide a lot greater brand loyalty than, than perhaps we've done in the past. But ultimately, I think the biggest challenge that companies face nowadays is how do we create that, that constant innovation culture? And that brings about a couple of very tough questions that companies need to face within their own organizations. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great point to start borrowing from the people that are doing it kind of, you know, best in class. It's something that didn't necessarily happen all too often, you know, in the previous 10 years, people would borrow bits and pieces. But now I think with, you know, the technology stacks advancing and all of the different tools that are out there, whether you're, you know, buying it yourself or you're building it, companies can pretty closely replicate the type of integrated tech journey that, you know, best in class folks like Amazon or, or whoever have, do you find that, like, what are some of the barriers to companies doing that? Is it just legacy systems or is it kind of not thinking of the customer first or like, what are some of the things that they're, that are limiting them from doing that? Well, again, I, I think one of the big one of the big challenges that companies face are breaking down the organizational the, the traditional organizational structures. You know, we're finding that that companies that are forward thinking that adopt, adopt innovation around artificial intelligence, big data and analytics, a number of other areas, they do this because they are able to break down organizational structures and create these high-performance, agile teams that are really focused on kind of working across organizational boundaries. And when they do that, it helps them, first of all, brings excitement back to the job. But if you take teams from across different organizations and pull them together, they're able to work on different problem sets and and come up with some pretty exciting ideas that that perhaps they've not looked at before. And, And that certainly helps the companies spur innovation. And, and the biggest challenge, I think, is how do we make sure that, um, that we also face um, some realities in terms of the organization themselves? And, and, and while these percentages I'm going to share with you can vary quite a bit depending on the type of company and, and what their innovation appetite looks like, but we're finding that about 33% of organizations typically understand the need to drive a hyper-personalized experience. They understand it. They you know, everyone within the company understands that focus. Uh, 33% of that, that group gets it. There's another 33% that says, okay, I understand the end game, but not clear to me how I need to change how I work or my personal behavior to be able to, to sustain that, that level of personalization. And another 33% says, I got it, but I just, I, I can't. I, I can't quite make the job. I can't quite make the connections. Um, I can't work with a new innovation just because I haven't been prepared for it. And, and I think that those are some tough realities that the company should, should heed attention to in order to make sure that, that they achieve their vision. But recognizing that, that limitation upfront, I think, is a critical factor. What about when you're talking to, you know, CIOs or CTOs or CDOs? Like, who are the folks, the senior leaders that you're talking to and what are some of the reservations that they have? Like, are they, are they worried about this? Is this something that is like, you know, front of mind for them? Is it something that they're quarterly talking to their boards about to make sure that they have accurate updates? Like what's the level of urgency um, from the leaders? 
No, it, it varies again by industry. It, it, it in some extent it even varies by geography, which is an interesting one. But the, the typical folks that we talk to are are at the C level, so it could be either the CFO who's who's worried about how do we drive operational efficiency and and work within compliance thresholds. So so they're looking at a massive surge in terms of compliance and regulatory requirements. Um, that makes it very difficult for them to run their business. So they're worried about, you know, how do I use automation in my processes to drive efficiency and, and bring down risk? Um, on the other side, we we look at folks that um, that are on the marketing side. So, for instance, the, the chief marketing officer or the chief digital officer, and, and their concern is how do we drive a much higher level of brand loyalty while at the same time making sure that we retain our customers and and turn our customers into fans. And and for them, their challenge is, again, how do we simulate the experiences that that customers have come to get used to um, in their daily lives? And so how do we make that a priority? And for the CIO, it's really about thinking through, okay, how, how do I add value to the organization you know, I think the days of the CIOs or, or CTOs that uh, are worried about running the shop, running the IT shop, those days are far gone. I think the role of the CIO, CTO, and their impact is now really bridging innovation to the company and saying, okay, th- this is what BI, business analytics, business intelligence looks like. Um, this is what artificial intelligence means, and this is how it impacts specific use cases. Let me show you, by the way, some, some working examples of that and help the business really ideate through what we call thinking through reimagining the impossible, really thinking through breaking down traditional thought processes, traditional organizational silos, and, and bringing about a set of pretty disruptive products and services that, quite honestly, clients expect and, and have become to want. And, and I think for them, that that's a pretty awesome opportunity for the CIO to, to be a key player in there. And on the other end is the CEO that, that also is getting very worried to say, okay, you know, if I don't innovate, I'm going to be left behind. Um, I'm not going to be able to take the organization forward. And, and at the same time, as a CEO, how do I make sure that from a risk perspective, I, I, can, I can protect the company, recognizing that, that risk management and cybersecurity now is also a a board level discussion and responsibility. So there's a lot of parts and pieces to, to where innovation is heading. And I think you know, every, every organizational area has a set of challenges of how to move forward as quickly and as safely as possible. Are there any key metrics that you've seen people use that are good like health checks or azimuth checks on this? Like, you know, and I know industry by industry, it's gonna to be totally different, but certain things like, you know, average wait time on the phone was some that something that you know got got big and now with things like bots and ai which we'll, we'll get into ai in a little bit but you know response times certain things like that that you find are good you know health checks of how good an organization is is doing on their transformation uh, roadmap yeah i think more than kpis it's you know i, I would take those kpis and metrics to a higher level, I, I think when we at Neoris work with clients, we're, we're finding that clients really are looking at KPIs now at a different level. And, and there's a couple of them that certainly stand out. And I think the greatest equalizer of all 
is customer satisfaction and brand loyalty. You know, in the end is the fact that you can retain a happy customer should be the top KPI. Ultimately, that, that relates to churn and, and, and making sure that we reduce the number of times a customer leaves us or new customers that we have to onboard. So managing that churn. KPIs around operating margins, um, for sure, continue to be a priority, but, but not just measuring it, but being able to kind of dynamically anticipate what it looks like uh, for new products and services that, that are being envisioned. And that means um, being able to anticipate the needs of new products, being able to, to dynamically anticipate what those operating margins are going to look like. That's a tough job because typically those operating margins are measured historically. You know, what did we do uh, last month or last week? Not as much as being able to, to anticipate them going forward. But probably, you know, if we looked across the industry, I think one of the big equalizers or one of the big KPIs um, that are being measured is how, how do brands truly inspire creativity, social awareness, uh, or simply a passion to be uh, a better person? I know that that's, that's kind of a soft discussion, but, but we're finding that those brands that, that really drive to inspire are making a pretty significant impact in our world. And so I think the brand inspiration, and the, how do we impact social awareness, how do we drive passion for better people somehow is, is coming up and we see that every day and it's really making a difference. You know, companies are really focusing on how, how to, to foster a community of common buyers, how do we ensure that they have content that's easily accessible, that, that allows their customers to understand the products and services and become fanatics and, and personalize everything. You know, what, what measurements are we putting in place to understand to what extent the products and services that we are delivering have a high level of personalization where the customer ultimately feels that, that they're very unique. So I would say to, to summarize your question, brand loyalty, a significant one, and, and with that is the customer satisfaction piece predictive operating margins, not, not looking at historical data, but being able to predict margins for products and services that should be able to come up every month, new, new thought process. How do we inspire creativity and how do we inspire um, social awareness and, and, and drive people to become passionate about everything we do, we do and, and how do we measure that? And I think that those probably aside from you know, traditional operating metrics, are coming to the forefront of where C-levels are trying to take their organizations and how do they measure that successfully? Yeah, I mean, it points to how important it is to nest those things from like the CEO level priorities because you know, if, if your net promoter score or customer satisfaction or things like that, you know, need to be shared metrics across the C-suite. They can't just be, you know, if just the CIO has it or just the CMO or whatever, it's just not going to be as effective. You know, is there a way that you've seen certain of your customers kind of like master those things, you know, whether it's through making sure that the entire C-suite is on the same page with that, or um, like I said, like nested goals or, you know, any other type of best practices? I mean, I think the nested goals certainly is, is a focus area, but, but we're finding that the companies that are truly driving innovation and, and getting this hyper-personalized experience for their customers, the way they do that is that 
Again, they break down the traditional organizational structures and create these high-performance agile teams that are comprised of folks at different levels, different titles, different backgrounds to solve specific use cases and specific problem sets and, and do that in the most creative way possible. And I think that the companies that are able to break down those organizational silos are being successful because it, it allows people, again, first of all, to become very excited about their jobs. Uh, and secondly, it allows a level of refreshed thinking that can bring some dramatic results. But to be able to break down those silos is often easier said than done. But we do think that it's a big differentiator for companies. And, and when we go to clients and, and Neoris is asked to kind of drive innovation thinking for our clients, those are one of the first things that we bring forward is what agile teams can we structure that, that crosses finance, HR, manufacturing, customer service, technology, and bring a subset of those groups together to drive certain projects from envisioning to closure. And, and we, we are having some pretty great results with that. All right, let's switch to AI. I would love to learn what is enterprise AI as your, as your focus at Neuris? What are the things that y'all are doing looking at machine learning and AI to develop both solutions for your customers and also things you're seeing that they're using that's working well? We've worked around with AI for a number of different, for, for a number of years. As, as you know, Neoris has been in business for 18 years and numerous projects. We've worked with some level of machine learning and artificial intelligence. But, but what we're seeing now, it's, it's a next generation of artificial intelligence which, um, and AI and machine learning platforms. And what we're doing in the U.S. is that we're focusing everything that we're doing on a, on a practice area called augmented intelligence. Uh, what that means for Neoris is that we will apply artificial intelligence and, and things like graph knowledge management um, to really help customers answer some, some very fundamental questions. You know, there's typically five of them. First of all is the money question. So that is, you know, how do we monetize new products and services and, and, and create new revenue models, which, believe it or not, is, is a top agenda item for C-level. Secondly, how do we gain uh, valuable insights about relationships? We believe that everything within a company is a relationship. What is the relationship between the company and a customer, the customer and certain SKUs, the SKUs with certain raw materials, raw materials with, with financial metrics. Everything is tied together. Um, and so to the degree that which we can use things like, for instance, graph technology to be able to understand those relationships are significant. Third is what we call being able to predict and anticipate the future. So, you know, companies are sitting on mountains of data. Um, how do we gather all that data, ingest all of that data, and gain valuable insights on how to better connect with the customer or how better to, to run the business or how better to reduce risk? That is a big element. Um, the customer interaction experience, also a critical piece. And finally, how do we drive innovation with, with everything that we deliver, but, but we do that at scale? And we see AI not just as the next technology to be sold or to be implemented, but we believe it's, it's a fundamental change to a company's entire business and technology ecosystem, you know, from, from critical business applications 
to database platforms, to what's happening in the cloud, um, to the mobile apps that are being created. It's not just about creating an algorithm. It's about really rethinking how artificial intelligence can augment human thinking and human decision-making. And that goes far, far beyond just implementing smart algorithms to solve a set of business problems. So when we look at enterprise AI, it's, it's that fundamental belief that um, artificial intelligence means a rethinking of the entire business ecosystem to, to make human decision-making far more optimal than that it's been done in the past. And that, that's how we label artificial intelligence. Recently, Norris came out with their 2019 insights reports called Re- Reimagine Impossible. And it was talking about things like the interconnected world, you know, 360 degree visibility, cyber resilience, you know, innovation, transformation. Flash forward to 2040. One of the things that you all have talked about is like this AI triggered transcendental shift on humanity's evolution. What does this shift look like? Like what does, what does the world look like in 2040? I know you don't have a crystal ball, but what are some of the things that you all are thinking about and talking about? Yeah, we, we did some significant research and, and looked at AI advancements from a number of different angles, so from advances in academia, private research projects, uh, advances in, in commercially viable platforms. And, and when we looked at advances, and we combined this with advances in, in human genetic engineering uh, and neurobi- neurobiology, it became clear to us that at some point in time, a merge of silicon-based intelligence with, with human intelligence will occur. We are already connecting powerful computers to our neocortical hierarchies. Also advances in, in human computer interfaces are helping paraplegic patients. So the advances are, are truly stunning. And these are advances that are happened, that have happened or occurred within the last few years. So the, the speed of, of how we, we bring AI into the cognition of human beings or how do we, we model the cognition of human beings are very significant. You know, if you look at the advances in healthcare, where we're using AI to analyze complex data and, and complex images, um, not only does it approximate human cognition, but typically the conclusions are far more accurate than, than traditional medicine has been able to put forward. So the advances there are very significant. In addition to that, uh, if you looked at the advances in artificial intelligence and advances in what we call reinforcement learning, you will see that here also we are approximating humanity's um, cognitive processes. You know, it's no longer us humans teaching AI to perform human thinking and and cognition. It's about computers really simulating how humans think and and drive decision-making. For instance, I I refer you to uh, a good example that that I always use is um, the game of AlphaGo Zero by by Google's DeepMind team. I'm not sure if if you looked at it, but but I welcome the audience kind of read through it, right? But to me, the reason that that's a critical moment in time is that it's, it's the first time we actually create algorithms and a machine that learns from scratch, not being thought by human beings. And as you know, at this point in time, the game of AlphaGo Zero cannot be beaten by by human beings. And and it creates its own algorithm, basically AI that 
creates AI. So if you looked at all the research and advancement to date, we think that AI will achieve human parity by, by the year 2030, if not sooner. And at that point, AI will be able to perform a variety of human tasks freely. Add to that 10 more years, and I think that the advances on AI will, will at some point redefine humanity, either how it augments our own thinking, or perhaps it opens the door to the next iteration of, of our species, which, which obviously is a lengthy conversation, but, but I think all indicators are there that at the speed at which AI is progressing, we're going to have some, some interesting, over the next 20 years, we're going to see some, some interesting advancements. And then obviously, the, the question around ethics always comes up, and that's an open conversation on how we manage the topic on ethics. But for sure, if we look at everything that's happening around AI, there's no doubt in our mind that we will see some significant advancements at the latest 2030, but what I believe if you looked at the innovation curve right now, it'll be far sooner than that. Yeah, it's funny. We There's all these, you know, 2020 reports out there. I think like everybody was looking to 2020 to be this moment in time where AI or, or wh- whichever technology had kind of, you know, taken hold. And I think some folks kind of feel like it's already here and some folks maybe not. From an enterprise perspective, we're starting to see it a little bit, but it's not really refined enough yet for a lot of people to be taking really clear and obvious business actions. How do you think that looks for the enterprise specifically? Or is it going to be more, you know, over the next few years, going to be more something that data scientists and things work on and the consumer doesn't necessarily see the benefits of right away? I mean, I think we're honestly way past that point. You know, generally, folks that are not close to the technology don't don't quite recognize it. But, you know, if you, if you use Siri and Alexa, you will notice that um, the interpretation of our voice, the ability to, to react to our commands and questions are far better today than they were six, eight, month, eight months ago, right? And, and the technology that we're using for, for instance, Siri and, and also Alexa are based on convolution neural networks that have been around for decades. And now we're able to utilize them in a way that, that's very creative for natural language processing and pattern recognition. And that continues to evolve. I would say that, you know, by the end of this year, we will see some some even more significant advancements around natural language processing. And, and you bring that together with, that, with everything that's happening on conversational bots, right? So it's no longer the traditional chat bot, but it's you and I having conversation with a customer service agent and not being able to recognize that you're actually having a conversation with an AI instance and that they simulate uh, human thinking, human behavior, even grammar and voice of a, of a human being to the point that, that you cannot recognize that difference. So that's, that's occurring, that's heading fast forward. The financial services industry has got a number of different use cases where AI is being applied today. You know, credit card companies, um, for instance, use AI today to manage fraud. They, they also use AI today to understand buying trends. Companies in capital markets, financial services in capital markets, they're, they're using AI around anti-money laundering as an example, know your customer better, onboard customers more efficiently. They're using intelligent algorithms to be able to do that, also predicting 
changes in the stock market. I mean, hedge funds have been using that for quite a while now. So I think we, we are way past that point of the enterprise adopting AI and smart algorithms. Uh, I think we're about to enter a new stage where AI becomes a lot more critical in a decision-making process and, and really augment human thinking and human decision-making. And we're seeing that already with BI and analytics. I think that that will continue to evolve. But I think what we will see within the next year is that AI will, will, will play a more center role in critical decision-making, not just supporting the operation of the organization, but, but actually co-decide on critical solution, on critical decisions that company executives make. So that makes for us at Neoris, it makes it for a very interesting time. And there are certainly a lot of advances occurring in the industry right now. Neoris has these innovation labs. I'd love for you to just share a little bit about what these are, where they're going on, and uh, what are the types of things that people are working on? Yeah, we, we have four of these innovation labs scattered around the world. I mean, a lot of companies have these innovation labs, but, but at Neuris, what, what we wanted to do is rather than having these labs where, where clients come and look at technology or our teams play with new technology, the way we've structured it is that we want these innovation labs to work on specific use cases by industry, right? So if I looked at financial services and as, as an example again, you know, how do we make sure that we've created specific use cases that are driving financial services to be able to work with a new technology? So maybe it's around psychographic profiling, maybe it's around conversational AI, um, maybe it's around robo-advisors, fraud prevention, risk management, churn management. So we've taken all these use cases into our labs and the nice thing about it is that when we talk to a customer, it's not talking about the possibilities, but it's actually showing them, hey, look at how we can use these algorithms or these new graph knowledge databases to be able to dissect money laundering use cases very, very accurately, probably far better than a human being ever could. And, and here's the specific object that can make that a reality. So it's is, is allowing customers to accelerate their adoption because they're, they're able to leverage these use cases, leverage these small products to be able to address a specific problem within their company. And, and our, our innovation labs are focused around that. It's not as much, I would say, playing with the technology, but it's working on specific use cases and specific industry theaters, as we call them, and being able to look at um, and share with customers specific use cases and solutions to allow them to accelerate everything they're doing around technology. And that, that's very exciting, right? Because you, you're able to walk in and, and quickly leverage some lessons learned from, from others that for us, it's, it's pretty exciting. And, and certainly for the customers, it's an eye opener. What would be your advice for a first time CIO or CTO uh, or CDO that is coming into an organization that wants to make sure that they're on track for digital transformation? Well, I mean, on track is a tough one because the innovation moves so quickly, right? But you know, I, one of the things that we find works very well is I think that the days of large lengthy projects, um, far few in between, we, we don't believe in those. We, we believe that the companies that can, can quickly look at 
their operational and, and client-facing landscape and look at every single customer touch point. That, that, that's typically a process that we go through with our customers. You know, if it's a telecom company, you know, what, what are the customer touch points from the moment we propose products and services through provisioning of service, through billing and invoicing, and supporting that customer. And if you looked at that entire value chain of supporting a telecom company, every single one of those processes has a set of customer touch points and a set of customer pain points. Our recommendation is always looking at the high customer touch point areas and that typically have the greatest amount of pain points and look at a couple of areas and say, okay, how do I leverage advanced innovation? Like for instance, our whole discussions around AI in that specific use case and, and demonstrate value in a very short period of time, right? So rather than, than pursuing lengthy projects, it's taking up a set of very specific use cases, customer pain points, customer touch points, and say, okay, if, if I can drive conversational AI in my customer service and dramatically increase my customer loyalty and customer satisfaction, then I have proven that AI really can have an impact. If I can use predictive analytics to better manage sales and operations planning, that then allows me to fine tune what my product schedules, manufacturing cycles look like, then I will be able to reduce the intake of raw materials and deliver the right products and services on time. And I can use AI to think through that. And like that, there's a, there's a number of use cases, but, but I think the trick is making sure that it's a very focused initiative that allows the CIO or the CMO, CMO or the CDO to immediately demonstrate value. And if they can do that, then and obviously they create fans. And, and when you create fans, you get the opportunity to further innovate in the company. But, but ultimately, it's, it's creating believers. And I think that those very specific projects help companies create belief in the organization that innovation can make a significant difference and allows the organization to also throttle up or down depending on what their appetite is for innovation. But, but that's what I would, uh, I would recommend my peers in the industry to focus on, uh, really on the customer touch points, really on the customer pain points, and select those areas where you can have a significant impact and, and where the whole ecosystem around innovation can help drive um, success. So how does Neoris collaborate with customers to drive this innovation? What does that process look like? You know, what are the different folks that you're working with? Yeah, t- typically it's a cross-section of a company and anytime we work with, um, with a client, regardless of what industry they're in, you know, one of the things that we put up front is that in order to drive innovation, we, we want to work with, with a cross-section of the company. We have these, um, these pretty interesting sessions with clients, which we call, call innovation ignition sessions. They're not your traditional think tank process for a company, but, but what we do is we actually work with a cross-section of top management, middle management, and, and staff, and we bring to the table specific use cases and, and solutions where we can show how the innovations, for instance, can fine-tune the customer onboarding process, or what does a, a world-class um, digitized or to cash cycle look like, or 
how does sophisticated anti-money laundering work using artificial intelligence algorithms and platforms? And, and when we have these sessions with executives, we, we combined uh, ideas and lessons learned from other industries as well as those within their industries. We, we kind of molded together with their own thinking and out of that comes a, a, a pretty detailed prioritized plans of where to focus on for what period of time and what does the cost structure looks like and, and quite frankly answering one of the first questions that we had in our session today which you know what's the tolerance level for change that the organization can bear uh, always keeping an eye that, that the market is moving forward fast and the adoption cycle has to be a fast one so that's typically how we engage with with our clients from there depending on what the company's appetite is. Um, you know, our goal is to, to establish long-term relationships and, and demonstrate the value, but, but not necessarily force long-term engagement. But we do believe that as we connect with customers, as, as we show more value, they typically bring us in to kind of accelerate some of these, these crucial strategic projects that, but frankly, they, they will frankly either make or break the company. And I think that that's, what Neoris is pretty good about. We, we are very nimble. We typically move very fast. Um, if I looked at our team, I, uh, I would proudly say that we have some very, very sharp people. We, we just hired a team from a different firm. We just brought in a PhD AI from University of Toronto. It's part of our team. And, and those things help us accelerate the innovation with our clients. So clients come to us not for lengthy projects, but they come to us because they have some niche strategic opportunity where they need help with. All right, let's get into the lightning round. These questions are fast and easy. Just like the lightning platform from Salesforce, you can go to salesforce.com slash build mobile apps to learn more about building fast and easy on the lightning platform. Lightning round questions. Tony, are you ready? Yes. Number one, what app are you using on your phone that is the most fun? Well, I, we typically use WhatsApp a lot because that's one way that we connect with everyone. So I would say WhatsApp probably the most used one. What about your favorite book or podcast that you've read or listened to recently? You know, I just read a pretty interesting book around artificial intelligence. Um, it's about artificial intelligence and, and superpowers. Um, I forgot the name of the author right now, but but it's it's an interesting book. It's it's by Kai Fu Lee, and it's called uh, AI Superpowers. I would recommend everyone reading that as soon as possible. What is your favorite vacation spot? I love to go away. Um, I think the islands are are awesome. I um, spend quite some time in Curacao, which is an island in the Southern Caribbean, and and that's. Still part of Holland, but it's interesting. There's about 53 different cultures represented there. So it's, it's an interesting getaway and also a place to kind of bring your whole mind back together. So, What do you do for fun? I uh, love boating, love the water. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, in a previous life, I must have been a fish or something, but uh, <laughs> I enjoy being underwater quite a bit. What? Is your favorite commercial use of AI or chatbots that you've seen recently? You know, I, I look at Netflix um, so now and then. I, I think the way that they've very subtly used AI 
a Netflix to to provide you suggestions based on what you have seen. I, I think they've they've mastered it. It's not intrusive, but certainly they've done a great job of that. I think Amazon continues to evolve, and it's very interesting how they're evolving their AI capabilities. Um, you know, I, I think we, we use Siri a lot in the house, which I think uh, has become amazing. I mean, if I compare Siri even three months ago, it's come a long way, so I can only imagine what Siri will look like next year. I'm always worried if, if she's listening to me all the time, but that's a different topic. <laughs> But certainly, it's an interesting play. That is definitely true. They are always listening. What's your best advice for a first time ever CIO or CTO? Yeah, that's a, that's a tall question. Um, but I would say my first advice is, you know, stay close to the technology. I mean, I've always believed that if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about technology, and you're going to deliver value for the business. You really have to understand the technology, right? And that, that needs to be, a, you got to be very passionate about really wanting to understand what's happening. Not, not just stay at 50,000 level, but get in there. You know, I take programming languages in, in Python and Python and it's a, a new platform and I love it. So I, I'm close to it. So I think one advice would be being very close to the technology and really understanding it. But perhaps the, the biggest advice for a CIO, CTO is that you really have to go to the other side. You really have to understand what the business is in and understand what's happening in, within that sector. And, and your peers on the other side have to see you as part of their team, right? They, they cannot see you as kind of another organization that kind of brings solution. You have to be part of that solution. So I think that as CIOs, CTOs, we, we got to go out of our way to, to really make the business community comfortable with us and, and really focus on the business topics and, and translate everything that technology does in a way that the business will, will see the value and will adopt it. And I think that the CIO and CTO who can, who can clearly articulate what innovation brings and, and what the business outcome is that that will yield if you can answer that question, you know, even on, on just the business outcome that innovation will yield, if you can articulate that, I think you'll be very successful in your career. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And, uh, and, and you're the man. Stay, stay, uh, stay safe in the so storms over there. Will do, man. Take care. Um, best to you guys. And we'll hear from you. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks again to our friends at Salesforce. Did you know Salesforce isn't just for sales? Using Salesforce as an employee experience platform helps make every employee across your organization more productive thanks to a common mobile-first platform for getting work done faster. Find out more at salesforce.com slash employee experience.